to People Like Us, a podcast for and about third culture kids everywhere. I'm Jen Mohindra. I'm also a TCK and I have a Facebook group for TCK adults called, unsurprisingly, People Like Us. Hello, and today's guest I'm happy to have with me today. I'm going to use the English pronunciation of your Swedish name, Anna Svedberg. Um, and feel free to provide the correct Swedish pronunciation for me. But Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you with me. Thank you so much, Jen, for inviting me. I look forward to our talk. Excellent. So as always, I like to jump straight in with the first question, which has become a bit of a tradition on this uh, People Like Us podcast. And that is, please, could you tell us where you grew up? Uh, thank you, Jen, of course. Um, I would say my upbringing is quite unique among third culture kids. Um, I'm both an international adoptee um, and grew up overseas. So I was born in my birth country of India. My Swedish adopted parents were already stationed in the Middle East when they adopted me. Um, so I grew up in the Middle East and Southeast Asia. And of course, all the summers were spent in Sweden. Um, in total, I would say 10 years in the Middle East in different countries and five years in Hong Kong. Uh, quite a with bit. A little, yes, with a little stint of about almost a year in Sweden. Okay. So about mm -hmm. years in the Middle East in different countries and then about five years in Hong Kong. So what sort of ages were you moving? And uh, this is quite interesting. Um, so I was one month when I moved the first time from India to Dubai. Um, and one month when I was in Dubai, moving from Dubai to Qatar. So Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Mm -hmm. My parents had been living there for five years. And um, because of work, they, they moved to um, Qatar. Mm -hmm. um, both my parents work for the, worked for the Swedish Foreign Service mm -hmm. um, and my father also for in, in shipping. Um, so it was and, for your, your dad's work that you had all these things. Yeah, so um, in those days it was more common for women to be housewives. Mm -hmm. um, you would spend a long time overseas, you know, decades overseas. And it's usually the husband that would have the overseas contract. Mm -hmm. And such was the case for my dad. Um, and they decided when they were going to have children that my mom would stay at home and mm -hmm. take care of us and the household. Um, because in those days, um, my dad traveled a lot and worked many hours. So you needed a parent who could um, hold the fort at home mm -hmm. um, and be really present with the upbringing of the children mm -hmm. and take care of the household. My father, of course, he was very um, involved in our upbringing uh, when he was at home. But because of his work, he was um, 
or his position as well, mm -hmm. uh, dual position both in the foreign service um, and in the private sector in shipping. He was traveling a lot, working many hours. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So about 10 years or so in the Middle East and then on to Southeast Asia, to Hong Kong. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. quite a few um, changes of schools in those, in those years. This is quite interesting. So I mentioned I was a month moving from India to Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, and then um, two months old moving from Dubai to Qatar. Mm -hmm. And my family was stationed there for maybe four or five years. Um, and, you know, in toddler years, and my sister was adopted. My sister's also adopted mm -hmm. um, two years after me, um, also from India. Um, so we're very close in age and quite close. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually speaking to my mom about this during the summer. So in those days, um, in the 1980s, um, toddler years, you know, before social media, uh, before the internet, uh, families were quite close. Um, you were quite close-knit with your um, neighbors, your friends. So when you were stationed overseas, your friends became family. Mm -hmm. You wrote letters back home, you called back home, um, but you didn't have that instantaneous connection uh, that we have now with Skype and mm. Facebook. Um, so um, the changes weren't, they, they were more permanent, I would say, when you moved from country to country. Um, yes, you could write letters, but um, you you were already um, in a mode when you moved a country to start afresh, get new friends, get your family going. Where's the grocery store? Where's the school? Um, where's the um, um, afternoon activities for the children? Um, and I must add that each summer, um, my family went to Sweden. My family had a summer house. So my sister and I always had that constant. Um, and because my sister and I are adopted, internationally adopted, mm -hmm. my parents were adamant that we would get to know our passport culture, um, traditions, and language, both going home three months each year um, mm -hmm. for almost 20 years to Sweden um, to keep up with the language. Um, and relatives, connections there. Mm -hmm. But also overseas, you had a tighter bond with Scandinavian friends. You would really celebrate midsummers and Christmas. You'd mm -hmm. go all out with the decorations. You'd start baking almost in November. You would have, and because um, we went to international schools, um, you'd always have some kind of international food fair where you could show off your, you know, um, families, uh, traditions. So it really ingrained the international atmosphere that I grew up in really ingrained sense of identity, as well as my parents um, who were consistent. I would use this word if I was speaking to a family moving overseas now, you have to be consistent um, in speaking the language. We, we spoke only Swedish at home, English at school, yeah. So in when I was a toddler, I went to a British uh, preschool. And it's fascinating because I've seen home video 
where I'm speaking British English. Ah. Yeah. But afterwards, um, after the one year stint in Sweden, um, we went to Swedish preschool. Um, we, my family was stationed in Hong Kong for five years. We attended an international school there and then for high school, 10 years. Um, so in total, sorry, 15 years in the Middle East. Um, total 10 years, uh, high school and middle school in American style education with an international focus. Okay, so I'm interested, you were talking about, um, if you like, the portable traditions, those traditions from home that you kept up in different places, um, such as the Swedish things of the, the midsummer and, and Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, and you also mentioned your identity. Now that's obviously yes. something of huge interest for me, also being adopted and a TCK. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you say about identity, was that like a, an international identity or did it mean something else to you? That's a very interesting question. To me, identity is multi-layered. You have your passport identity, right? You have your birth identity, speaking as an international adoptee. Mm -hmm. um, you have your multicultural identity of growing up overseas. So for me, identity is multi-layered. Um, I spoke about passport identity previously in our conversation, uh, where I mentioned my parents' consistency in um, in helping my sister and I maintain our language of Swedish, mm -hmm. um, having one language in the house, um, traveling back to Sweden um, every summer to maintain the contact with culture um, and with language um, and overseas with upholding traditions and going all out, um, celebrating midsummers and Christmas, decorating the house, inviting friends, even non-Scandinavian friends uh, for um, Advent Fika. So the week before Christmas, my mom would make Christmas food to invite friends over. Mm -hmm. um, this is talking about passport identity, okay? Yeah. Um, and this is important, especially if your child would like to repatriate and study, get their formal education and work in a passport country. You need consistent during a long period of time from the time the child is very young until they're grown up, this consistent feeding and learning of the language and culture and history. And I forgot to mention, um, we went to Swedish school. So we went to school six days a week five days in the English or international curriculum, and one day a week Swedish on our day off on Saturday, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so that would be language, um, culture, history, uh, social economics, um, that's passport culture, right? Mm -hmm. So birth culture um, as an international adoptee, um, my parents also loved Indian culture. They had Indian friends. And being stationed in the Middle East for the first five years um, of my life is, is quite close to India. Mm. So my parents frequently visited India on vacation. Um, they had close family friends um, who had Indian heritage um, that, that we were surrounded by. 
We hand it over. Feel connected to both your Swedish heritage and your Indian heritage. Very much so, very much. So, but it, hmm. tell me, what, what are your um, memories around early visits to India? Again, I'm particularly curious because I am half Indian and mm -hmm. visited India for the first time um, only last year, in fact. <laughs> so, I'm interested. <laughs> I would love to hear your impressions after our talk. Yeah. Um, so, of course, um, as with all memories, it's food, mm -hmm. so sensory memories, yeah. uh, taste, sound, smell, um, mm -hmm. delicious. I, I think my first memory of Indian food is some kind of savory snack. Mm -hmm. that, and I haven't had the taste since then, but if I have it now, I'll instantly recognize it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it must have been some deep fried potato or something. Nice. It was so delicious. It was a family friend who made it. Okay. Um, and the smell, you know, the, the Indian spices, not just in the house, but, you know, outside. And growing up in a tropical environment, the tropical environment smells so much different than uh, the type of environment that we have in Sweden. Oh. For that, I, if you know, I can if I see a picture, for example, of India or Hong Kong, I will instantly recognize the smell. Mm, it's amazing. Is it, smells can take you back. Exactly. So I would say it's, for example, we visited um, places in the countryside in India. So I'd recognize the smell of the earth, mm -hmm. the air, the tropical uh, plants. Also, the noise, I don't think it much affected me when I was small, um, because you, you, as a toddler, you, your sense of being is just close to your family. Mm. But I remember visiting with my parents when I was 12, or maybe 10. Must be when I was, yes, because it was when we were um, on our way moving to Hong Kong, I think. We visited family that just moved from Qatar to India. The sound, the people, because as more aware of surroundings as a preteen, mm -hmm. it was overwhelming. So when you're in India, your birth country, you obviously look Indian and just straightforward appearance, but how do you feel there? Because Indian, people who are sort of born and bred instantly recognize that you're, you're not really from there. So how do you feel? Do you feel quite foreign or do you feel at home connected there? Tell me what it's like for you. Um, I would say growing up overseas, I was in international environment. Mm -hmm. um, so I was more attuned to my passport culture. Um, I think because of the international school, where they encouraged the international food festivals. And you'd always talk about where you'd go home for the summer, it was Sweden. So mm -hmm. it was very focused on Sweden. Yeah. Um, and because as an international adoptee, um, I do recognize myself as a Swede. Swede. Mm -hmm. um, but coming back to Sweden, um, fortunately, um, Sweden, and especially Stockholm, is a very international environment. And I've been fortunate, working as a consultant from the beginning, in a very international environment, 
Both mm -hmm. my colleagues, supervisors, managers have been from many different countries. My colleagues um, have been from many, many different countries. Uh, so in Sweden, I feel international. Okay. Growing up overseas, I felt Swedish. Mm -hmm. But now in Sweden, I would say I'm international. And when you're in India? Um, I haven't been there for a while, but I'm more and more in tune to my birth culture. And mm -hmm. um, both because I grew up overseas, um, I have a birth culture, which is Indian. Most of my close friends overseas had Indian, Pakistani, and Bangladeshi heritage. Mm -hmm. So growing up in an international school, I had the advantage, different types of friends. And the ones that were more international and open-minded um, and maybe curious about my heritage were the ones that with, of course, international background as well. Um, and they're the ones who grew up most of their childhood overseas. Um, in, in Hong Kong, maybe my friends around the world can correct me, but um, most of the families were diplomats. So they were, the children were used to moving from different countries. They might've been from big cities themselves. Well, in the Middle East, um, again, friends can correct me, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the families were from the Southern US oil companies, their first station overseas. Mm -hmm. So they were very attuned to their, what state they were from. They, the children might not have been so open to discussions. They, they were of course kind and generous, but they um, had their own world they lived in. They were still thinking and planning of things back home in their state. Mm -hmm. If it was Texas or if it was Oklahoma. So it sounds like a strong sense of coming from somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So my friends with, my close friends, especially senior year, had all different nationalities, each and every one of them. They had, they were very curious about the cultures and they most probably grew up in many different countries from early childhood. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the, what is the, notoriously difficult question for TCKs. So how do you respond when people ask you, where are you from? Exactly, and sorry, I remember, I just forgot to answer a question regarding, do I feel Indian in India? Mm -hmm. So in, in India, I would say today, I would hope and wish I could, how do you say, um, be a chameleon and on the outside, yeah. look like an Indian, but I might not behave like an Indian mm -hmm. because I'd like to not be stared at and go to the market. And sure. if I work <laughs> there or on vacation, I can go about my daily life without um, much interruption to blend in, blend in. Mm -hmm. But of course with behavior, um, behavior you cannot um, hide. Behavior is something that you've learned. It's something genetic as well. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And what was your, your just, you just asked me a question as well? So my, my question just then, which you nicely sidestepped around, <laughs> not really. Um, how do you respond to the notoriously difficult question for TCKs? Where are you from? Um, 
Okay, so my first answer would be Swedish, but mm -hmm. I would of course say international. Mm -hmm. So it was someone that know me knows me well, I would say I'm international. Mm -hmm. Either we have the same background um, or they themselves would understand where I'm coming from. But if mm -hmm. it, it, it depends the context, you understand? So if I'm with a new client project and you don't have that much time to talk, I would say I'm Swedish, mm -hmm. okay? But then if we, if it's a long time project or it's a friend I know I'm going to be in contact with, I would tell them about my upbringing and tell them, so on a deeper level, I'm international. It's that typical um, TCK thought process that we have to go through when faced with that question in terms of assessing the the surroundings, the context, yeah. and having to use all those brain calories to decide which answer to give in that moment. This is very true um, because it's it's a very private thing for me, my third cultural kid upbringing mm -hmm. overseas, my international adoptee identity is oh. very private. Um, it depends, you don't know, if you don't know the person, you don't know how they're going to react. Mm -hmm. It was positive or negative, um, but thankfully in Sweden we have many children adopted from different countries, and mm -hmm. um, so people usually don't ask, but they might say, "Oh yes, I I thought you were adopted," mm -hmm. or "Yes, I thought you grew up overseas because you you speak Swedish with slight English accent, or your mm -hmm. English is perfect, or not perfect, but you have you have an accent when you speak English." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm going to ask you next, you described your upbringing of having been born in India and then moved to the Middle East, um, yes. moved there and then on to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And all this time having spent summers in Sweden, so keeping that connection to what was now your home country and, and that of your parents. Mm -hmm. So when you did move back to Sweden to live, mm -hmm that like for you? Um, let me backtrack and answer your question regarding the, the schools because I will oh. give you a clue to this question. Uh -huh. So I was very fortunate that the major moves were not coinciding with major school uh, changes. So toddler years, preschool was in uh, Qatar, one year in Sweden, and then starting um, school in Hong Kong and kindergarten up to fifth, fourth grade. In the middle of the school year, we moved to Dubai and was living in Dubai for 10 years. Um, no major school, so British, British preschool in Qatar, five years, one year of Swedish preschool, and then five years of international school in Hong Kong. International school with an American style education and then 10 years in American school with international style education. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the educational system from five years old was American. Mm -hmm. So there was no major school system changes. Oh. And also the American system, uh, educational system is very similar to the Swedish school system. And because my parents had been consistent in 
us traveling back to Sweden um, each summer, speaking Swedish at home, not forcing, but making sure that we went to Swedish school all up to senior year high school, one day a week. Mm -hmm. um, this made sure that all I had to do, I had all the prerequisites to study business um, in a Swedish university. I had the language. I just needed a certificate to study, mm -hmm. a Swedish certificate, language certificate. And for example, the same for when you study in the US, you just need to take a test. So I took this test when I was studying French overseas um, in, in Paris. I took the Swedish test and the ladies were really sweet. It was at the Swedish Institute and it was me and another student. And I said, take your time and, um, you know, don't be nervous. The thing was I had really studied because my auntie who um, is a professor, associate professor of pedagogy in Sweden, um, told me some things I could prepare, you know, reading articles, listening to the radio and other things, grammar and spelling, you have to learn, you know, from childhood. It's not something you can instantaneously study. So of course I, I passed the exam um, and to study business, all I had to do was study one course in Swedish socioeconomics in high school level and take an exam. And I did that while studying Mandarin at the university. So I did that on my time off. Mm -hmm. um, but because I had such a good language base and the school system that I grew up with was so similar to Swedish school system and very, very disciplined, the American and international overseas educational system is rigorous. I, I did the AP courses um, in French and English and biology and calculus. Um, and because I had no idea what I, what I would like to become or study, which meant I had my study ethic. Mm -hmm. um, well, and so Swedish like you had um, quite an easy transition back in terms of, you know, the education system was sort of moving from the same to the same. You had no problems with the language. But what was it like mm -hmm. to be back in your home country in terms of fitting in, making friends? Um, that sort of thing. Uh, I I must say I'm almost tearful. I'm oh so very fortunate. Mm. The first day um, of my study, starting my education um, at the university in business administration, because I was doubling up, I was studying Mandarin at the as a third culture kid. You're usually an overachiever, so I was adamant in continuing studying my Mandarin education. Um, because I hopefully wanted to work, which I have been fortunate to do, work with uh, suppliers in China or customers in China. I really have to know the language. So I had a regular study schedule, which I was looking at my study schedule, first day of class, how I can, okay, so in the morning I have Mandarin, afternoon I have business. Okay, I need to have time to run from the different campuses and have lunch. Mm -hmm. um, my friend Christina tapped me on the shoulder. And from there, I got my friends. I didn't even actively do anything. Nice. But also, because I'm a third culture kid, um, I have no issues with foreign, strange, strange, quote unquote, people tapping me on their shoulder. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Christina is one of my oldest friends from university. And from Christina, I have other friends as well. And we became study buddies. And Christina and her family with her husband, they live in Houston. Okay. And I visited them a few years back. So being a third culture kid, um, you have I you have this innate um, nature where you make friends anywhere and everywhere. I've made friends with uh, people that I meet on bus stops. <laughs> so it's it's just you have to be open, but I think I've also learned to this kind of um, rubber band that it's you also have to be open to the possibility, will there be a long-term friendship? If it's not, am I okay with it trickling out? Um, mm -hmm. So it sounds like um, you've had a very um, positive experience of being a third culture kid, as well as being an international adoptee as well. You spoke about your, um, your studies, your, your bit of business studies. How do you think your experiences of growing up have influenced your career choice? Um, quite a lot. Um, since I was very young, I've, I've had a knack for languages. Um, I love interacting with people and getting to know different cultures. Um, it comes naturally to me, um, speaking and listening, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and also I know if something comes naturally to you, you have to kind of pursue it, it might be your calling. And for me, um, I didn't know if I wanted to, or I was quite sure I didn't want to become um, a translator because it's quite specific. It's very um, narrow, a career field, and you travel a lot. And maybe subconsciously I was ready for you know, moving per permanently back to Sweden or permanently back to some place, not traveling overseas, you know, in the foreign service or for the UN, you know, three years here, three years there. Um, being an international adoptee um, as a, another layer where identity can be uncertain, where mm. you really need a strong sense of self from a very young age, which my parents helped to foster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you also have to live in your passport country to feel um, a strong sense of identity with it. Um, I'm used to the darkness and everything now, not in the beginning when I studied. I wonder where everyone was disappearing in the winter. Um, yeah, but now I have, <laughs> yes, but now I have charity work, I go to the library a lot, I, you know, you, you make sure you have some kind of schedule during the winter. So you can mm -hmm. occupy your mind and also have a rest and be social in different ways. Um, but for me, I really, well, I wanted to be a teacher, really wanted to be a teacher, but uh, fate had other, um, another route for me. So I combined business administration with languages and I've been working as a consultant, a permanent consultant for the past seven years. Um, in different, you know, big multinational companies. Um, so that I think um, uh, influenced my career choice, definitely, definitely. Because as a consultant as well, you go in and out in different organizations. Um, you can choose how 
deeply you socialize with colleagues as well. Mm -hmm. um, and now with COVID, it's um, working from home is um, is something that I'm used to from socializing with my overseas friends. It's sitting at home having Skype meetings. It sounds then like the um, the career that you've chosen gives you the sort of international flavor that you would see yes. from, from your TCK plus international adoptee um, background. Mm -hmm. Do you get the itch to travel to live somewhere else or do, or do you think Sweden's it now? Um, that's a good question. If you asked me when I just graduated high school, I would say I would want to spend my life overseas. Um, but seeing how the world has changed, both politi politically um, and also because of the pandemic, um, I've had family and friends uh, stuck overseas, um, trying to get home to their passport country. It's not something, it's very stressful. Um, growing up in the Middle East um, during both Gulf Wars and the Iran-Iraq War, um, we were evacuated actually to Sweden uh, mm -hmm. for two weeks. So I went to Swedish school, I didn't mention, uh, mm -hmm. in fourth grade for two weeks in the countryside. <laughs> so that it wasn't such a big difference because um, my parents' house, my family's house is in the countryside. Countryside people are, are very kind and generous and curious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, having that kind of background, you've just hit mute. Sorry. So, um, the stability that is in Sweden, the job security at the moment, we have wonderful government subsidies for different industries because of COVID which is unheard of in other countries, um, for example, for travel and hotel industry. Um, and also working overseas, my friends and even my father, they work long hours. If you work in Asia, you have to um, work long hours to have meetings with um, Europe or the US. So for me, I've actually, because of, um, that kind of experience and that kind of knowledge, I've counted that out temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, we have wonderful vacation um, opportunities in Sweden where we can travel um, after COVID and before COVID to other countries without the pressure of work, which mm -hmm. means that I can, for two weeks, go to Dubai. Um, I don't have to depending on what position, answer emails or anything, but. Um, that sounds like the um, sort of perfect career mm -hmm. in terms of it. It gives you what you want in terms of the international flavor, but at the same time, you get to have that stability from um, having been grounded within Sweden. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at the time and as usual with these episodes, the time has just flown past and we've been chatting for 30 minutes already. So mm -hmm. I'll take this opportunity to thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been such a pleasure having you as my guest today. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to People Like Us. If you'd like to join an online community full of people like us, hop over to Facebook and search for People Like Us. You'll find my group and you're very welcome to join us.